to episode 36 of GameSpot After Dark, GameSpot's official video game podcast. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and this week joining me is Lucy James. Hello. Tamar Hussein. Hi. And Jean-Luc Seipke. Hello. So this week, the big topic we have is Final Fantasy VII. Tamar reviewed it. Jean-Luc has played quite a bit. We are going to get to that. Before we do that, we're going to run through what we've been playing. Uh, There's a couple new stories we want to hit. A big one that we missed last week. Uh, Both of them are regarding Sony. It's the controller and Last of Us 2 getting delayed as well as Iron Man. And then we'll move on to listener questions. Uh, But without further ado, shall we start with you, Lucy? Do you want to talk about what you've been doing? Yeah, so I have been... I made a decision to myself that uh, I was going to get the Platinum in Persona 5 Royal. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, actually, it is way more attainable in Royal than it is in the main game, uh, which I didn't go for. I think I got like half the trophies in the main game. But in Royal, I was like, well, I'm going to replay it anyway. I might as well get the Platinum or something. You don't have to finish the compendium. The only thing you have to do is max all your confidence and your social skills which is super easy to do because you have so much more free time um yeah it's like i'm getting to the point now where i just finished the first palace i have all of these like the new story beats uh like i'm meeting the new um uh what the counselor like the one of the new confidants uh maruki and man i just forgot how good that game was i never forgot how good persona 5 was but I'm glad that I had a break of a couple of years and now I can just really, oh God, I spent about seven hours <laughs> playing it on Sunday. Like I have a spreadsheet. Um, I'm trying to use, there's an old guide that tells you day by day what you should be doing in Persona 5. It's changed because things happen on different days in Royal, but you can kind of use it as a loose framework. I'm having a very exciting time with my spreadsheet. What can I say? Uh, but Persona I... 5 Royal, banger. I, I told myself I wasn't going to replay it. I didn't think I had any interest in replaying it, but then I saw Michael's review and I've yeah. seen like, mm. I've seen some of the new characters and mm-hmm. I got a lot of time on my hands and I'm just <laughs> kind of like, maybe I should do it, but I'm going to wait. I'm at least going to wait to get through Final Fantasy VII because I haven't touched yeah. that yet. Uh, and, oh, I, I and I definitely want to play through that. Yeah, I don't well, have it yet thing. either. That's the thing. It's like in... The way that everyone was talking about the game pre-release, all the new story stuff seems to come quite late in, but the new combat stuff and the palace layout changes from the get-go. So for me, after having a couple years break and going into Royal, I was like, this feels like a whole new game. Like I, I re- remember bits of it, but I don't remember a lot of things that I'm kind of experiencing now in Royal. Uh, and yeah, Michael's review, when I read it and I saw... Uh, the amazing video edit that Jess did, I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm back. I'm like a full uh, John Wick. I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> I think that's me. Yeah, I've been playing it as well. And the rhythm of the game is so comfortable to get into. It's like, it's such a comforting game, despite the fact that its subject matter is quite heavy at times. But yeah. just the day-to-day rhythm of that stuff, it like if it's got a lot of... The Animal Crossing style thing that we're all enjoying now. You can jump in and do these certain things and then tackle a big chunk of the game and then come back and do that again later. It's just really comforting to play. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. If I return to it, I don't think I would binge it. I mean, I say that now. Maybe mm-hmm. I would end up binging it. But I, I think what I would do is I would just do a couple days every day and kind of just 
slowly trek through the game since I already know largely what's going to happen. I know the different beats. I don't remember a lot of it, but I think I think if I came back to it, that would be the play because I can't see myself just sitting down and spending 12 hours playing it with all these other games coming out, but I could definitely see myself just taking it a couple days at a time. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those games that's really built for that. Hmm. Um, and God, the soundtrack, man. It's so good. Like the new song, oh, yeah. I, know, I know Michael had some hot takes that he thought the new ambush battle song was better than last surprise but man i think he might be right yeah <laughs> i think he might be right i got a i got a sound bar recently and we got the exact I, same one yeah we've got the exact same sound bar um <laughs> and, and the like, same tv and the same tv yeah we've got the same tech setup here what if for you're in the reason? same room just like Wait, <laughs> other <laughs> ends <laughs> what what sound bar is that is that a, it's a visio uh, i have I the, the exact modern. same sound bar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's right, real Charlie, good. What brand and size TV do you have? <laughs> uh, Samsung. But, also yeah, Samsung, yes. Wow, yes, I, I think Did you I, get it yeah. on sale at Best Buy last year? Like we no, did. I got mine a couple of years ago, uh, but I think it's like a very similar model. You probably have like the slightly newer version. Than yeah. Me, but, but like hearing... They go well together. Hearing that soundtrack come through a nice sound system, there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Like I've been, I usually play with headphones because I don't want to disturb anyone around me. But with that game, um, I've been pumping crank it, it up. up, crank it. Yeah, up. how can you disturb people with that music? Exactly. I mean, I'm playing at like 4 a.m. in the morning. Okay, so. that, might, that <laughs> might be an issue. But I, I, I haven't started the game yet, but I did uh, download the like dynamic menu theme that comes with oh, uh, yeah, the game, yeah, yeah. and it just uh, blasts the new intro theme on loop. And so I just leave that on, and like, it's wonderful. It just gets me in the jam. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready for it. Nice. Well, I figure since you two have been playing, um, well, actually, Tamor, you played a bit of Valorant, didn't you? Before we get into yeah. what I've been playing in Final Fantasy, do you want to talk about Valorant a little bit? Because that seems exciting. Yeah, so Valorant is the latest team-based tactical shooter from Riot Games, which people know for League of Legends and more recently Team Fight Tactics. And... Um, it's weird to say this, but it is exactly what it looks like. If you're looking at a video or an image, it's Overwatch crossed with Counter-Strike. And it is very much feeling like Counter-Strike to the point where I texted Haim yesterday. I was like, just play some Valorant, might start playing Counter-Strike again. <laughs> um, it's very, very familiar. It's got the same kind of feeling to it in terms of it's a very quick time to death in that not not in this Call of Duty way where you run headfirst into battle and hope for the best. More that like a single shot is enough to take you out if it's a well-placed headshot. Um, and then you're unlike, it's very classic in the way it feels. Unlike Siege, you don't have much to do beyond um, just watching your teammates. You can't jump into the cams and see where any enemies are and flag them and, and highlight them and communicate with your team. You're just pretty much sitting it out and hoping that the the rest of the team does does their job um and the game mode i played was the classic i don't know what the valorant term for it is but it was um planting the bomb and then defending it until it goes off um the big twist is that you have overwatch like abilities um a lot of them are keep talking uh, it's it's alarming how similar they are so there's a character who will fire sonar arrow that will tell you where enemies are in the local area it's an english he's a cockney english lad but it's that's that's diva right from I, don't do diva. this oh, don't do this. this um it's hanzo thank you 
Um, and then there's a character. The character I played was uh, fired these balls of energy that could be used. You could use one to heal your enemies or self-heal. You could use the other one as an AOE that slows people down in the same way that Moira's ball might be as it would connect, might do as it would connect with an enemy. Um, the other characters are like you can put, there's another character who can put walls up in the same way May does. Um, it's a lot of familiar uh, abilities, but the thing to know is like those aren't unique to Overwatch either. Those are unique. Oh, no. They're they're like common among many many MOBAs RPGs. I think within the framework of a first person shooter, it feels more like it belongs to Overwatch. And in that regard, it is true. It is aping a lot of what Overwatch does. But I think what really sets it apart from Overwatch is the Counter Strike foundation that it's building on. Um, Counter Strike. Um, unless you're super familiar with it, you don't really notice it. But like, it's all about the economy. Um, at the start of each round, there's a buying phase in the same way there is in modern MOBAs where you stock up on guns, armor. And, a, and in this, you don't have abilities on a cooldown. You have to buy them. So that say so if you want to use that like AOE that slows people down, you have to spend money on that, and you can hold maybe like two of them. Um, and if you want to spend money on the healing charge, for example, you have to do you can only hold one of them. So you have to be smart about how you use your money and how you use uh, what you're buying at any time. Um, and the ultimate is always like charging over time, and everyone has their own ult. Um, the character I use uses the resurrection, so you can, which is very weird for a Counter Strike game where you can bring a character back into the mix. But um, the buy economy is super important. It's unclear how good it is right now. It's it's a part of Counter Strike that takes a lot of refinement and still is being refined because you know something being slightly too expensive can can really upset the balance of the economy. But it's got some interesting things. Like it's been a while since I played Counter Strike. I've played a lot of Counter Strike in my time, but less so of like global offense or global offensive. No, I can't remember what it's called. But you can something do things like, like yeah, you can sell sell items now, and like you can do smart things like tell your enemy team, tell your teammates that you've got extra money, and in which case they can buy stuff. And Counter Strike, you just buy it and chuck it on the ground. But you can like request stuff as well and be like, hey, I want this gun. Can someone buy it for me? Um, beyond that, it's a very slow, methodical, tactical first-person shooter. It's a lot of like walking slowly to make sure they can't hear your footsteps. Uh, checking your corners and like crouching you don't want to be moving when you fire because the sway and like the um, reticle will blossom out and you'll struggle to control unless you're shroud and you can very carefully control the spray pattern Um, but it it very much feels like counter-strike and it's doing it for me because of that the the one thing i'd say about it right now it feels very unpolished in the way visually it looks it feels like it's a a pretender to the overwatch style i don't want to describe i don't want to mar it as that but like it doesn't it has the same kind of cartoony visual style and it's like the but the world isn't as interesting it's like this weird cartoony version of de dust 2 from counter-strike and the characters themselves don't feel super fleshed out and the, even the visual style it's cartoony and associated but it doesn't have the gloss of an overwatch style thing it's it's less pixar and more dreamworks if you get what i'm saying oh, um wow. But that's that's kind of how I feel about it. Nevertheless, like 
the gameplay as it stands feels like solid. It feels fun. I'm excited to go back to play it. I know that I was chatting to Hayam about it, and Hayam was like, oh, I think I'm hooked. I know Dave Jewett in the UK is playing it and is enjoying it as well. It's got some issues right now with people just disconnecting and not sticking mm-hmm. it through. And I think the modern mentality of multiplayer games is somewhat clashing with the classical approach of Counter-Strike. You can't just get killed and bounce like and be like, I'm done with this. You ruin a game like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's promising. A, a question I have is how do you think it balances these abilities super well with that sort of hardcore quick time to death? Uh, counter-strike side because i i for one was curious when they announced it because i mean siege kind of struggles with this too but a lot of times it's like okay i have this ability that could do this but wouldn't it make more sense for me to just shoot this character in the head since they're gonna die so soon like i feel like overwatch since there's longer time to kills like it makes more sense to invest in using some of these abilities as opposed to just going straight in for the kill yeah i think the difference is a lot of the abilities that i've seen thus far aren't like directly attacking an enemy if you get what Mm -hmm. i'm saying it's not like you're you're firing a beam at another player or shooting a diva bomb into an area it's more like making life slightly difficult for them like the aoe thing is designed to slow them down so if you put that um like around the bomb for example they'll struggle to rush the bomb and and uh, defuse it um or if you're doing like healing it's the ball that you fire at um your enemies can not enemies uh uh, your uh, teammates for example it's very much support that you can't also use it to attack another enemy and the walls for example are probably like they're not all that difficult they're not upsetting the balance right now they like area denial but they can shoot mm-hmm. through it eventually and get through it um there's one character that does like puts up this almost like creates a geyser of energy and all that it does is like anyone co- it like passes through on your team it will heal them so it feels more like how can you slow people down and create an advantage for yourself without directly attacking the enemy um, okay it seems like there's a separation between what you do you know how you win through attacking which is still skill based and the abilities which are designed to try and give you a slight edge to it that makes sense Hmm. yeah i'm excited to try it i just (laughs) i i didn't get in on the closed beta i don't have a riot account i've never had a riot account and like part of me is just like i just built a new pc i don't want to like toss in a ton of like game launchers like i already downloaded the rockstar launcher steam uh you play and all this stuff mm. and it's like oh, i don't want to it's so stupid it's so stupid but it's still no, I, I, get, like, I don't want to i don't want another yeah. launcher in here i'm in the same thing i've got this new gaming laptop and i'm trying not to put anything on there so it's i when i, I download i created a riot account for this and like i, I keep thinking i need to un- uninstall this as soon as this is done yeah <laughs> also the riot <laughs> account the the valorant uh icon it looks like an adobe product so i keep trying to find where it is and i'm like where is that right oh it's there it's valorant it just looks like adobe valorant or whatever um it's wild well anyway yeah i'm excited to play it john luke are you planning on checking it out at all maybe i've uh i like counter strike but i've never been very good at it um but that was kind of I've been getting better at shooters now, like, you know, ever since uh, I started playing Siege more often. I feel like that game yeah. is what got me better at shooters. So I'd, I'd like to give it a try. I definitely want to. I think I need to play with people, though. Like every time I've tried to play Counter-Strike and I'm playing by myself. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't yeah. have a good time. I need to have a squad. So if, if people like Michael are like really into it, maybe I'll I'll find a way to get my hands on it. 
it's super important to play with like other people like i played with a team yesterday and i i mean i was the problem part of it because i wasn't on mic i was like i'm just gonna play a few games i don't really want to talk to people but i i was clearly a a kind of stumbling block for communication there was only like one or two people they had this amazing moment though where i was on the menu screen picking a character but i like clicked a character and i was like oh okay cool I'll, i'll read what this character can do so i'm reading it but i hadn't like uh, locked in the character and the time was ticking and then over the mic someone whispered pick a character and I was like <laughs> and I, I pressed it and then he went good pick like whispering in my ear and I was like what was what what weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> that dude was like whispering the entire time it's like he's having a secret game I was like fair enough but yeah it's super important because yeah you need to make call outs and like you need to be like hey i need we need to rush a rush b you know mm. c you know that kind of stuff um so yeah if you if you guys do play it let me know i'm happy to hop on and work with play with you guys yeah i definitely yeah. will at some point um it, it so the closed bait is going on now right mm. yeah but it's yeah, very so short it's, like it, it'll they, probably be over by the time this is i heard it was supposed to be short yeah they said it's gonna be relatively short but they haven't actually added a a a ending point yet so i feel like it might be one of them ones where it's like all right it's gonna we've extended it we've extended it again we've extended it a third time more people can come hey that's what they did with overwatch transition into an open beta yeah um i think that'll be the smart thing to do It, it was having some hiccups when it first launched but it seems to be in a little more stable place now speaking of riot i have been getting team fight tactics uh ads oh on everything and they're the most annoying ads <laughs> they're in the world so bad they're like they're like they sound like they're recorded on like really crappy microphones and they're like if like these little stick figures like hey have you heard of team fight tactics and i'm like yes i have yeah don't show this to me anymore they look I like those control you. old delete comics sorry oh, yeah, yeah yeah no, i was gonna say oh. i'll swap you because i just get the anti-jewel ads and i don't yes oh my god i don't <laughs> jewel like i hate those adverts I, I, I think those ads are just like a, a a riot thing because I remember years ago I used to get like League of Legends ads that looked like they were made by YouTubers. Like they were like YouTube videos uh, and they'd be like animated. Yeah, they looked like control alt delete videos or something, but they were just so, like, hey, go play League of Legends. And it was like, I don't want to play League the, of Legends. The dual ones before we go move on from here, like they have some intense boomer energy like oh my god it's like hey, it's, it's like hey kids get rid of your jewel and it's like a lady or, or a dude or a, 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 a teenager putting the jewel into a cup and then pouring orange juice over it and then or like doing the mentos thing with a jewel and i'm like what's this all about and it always ends with this sound thing which is a lady going okay bye and it's so frustrating it's so annoying and like i'm like i vape I'm just like, I'm going to buy more jewels if you keep doing this. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll go over what I've been playing quickly so we can move on to Final Fantasy VII. Um, but I finished Half-Life Alex. Like I said, I built a PC. Uh, and boy, does Half-Life Alex run much better on my quest now that uh, hmm. I've worked out a lot of the the uh, the, the issues with my PC. Uh, and as someone who, I mean, I started playing the Half-Life games a couple weeks ago. I've kind of tracked my progress with this podcast over the past couple weeks. And having finished Half-Life, Alex, don't worry, Jean-Luc, I haven't finished. I won't spoil anything. But I was incredibly impressed with the ending. I'm super excited for the future of that series. And, like, I want to go back and replay Alex. Uh, I want to replay some of the older Half-Life games as well. Again, even though I just played them a couple weeks ago. But, like, I... I 
man, like even as someone who jumped on board pretty late here, you could tell, like I was nervous that they'd mess up the ending somehow and they Mm. found a way and they hit it out of the park and it like, I don't know. This series is in such an interesting place right now. And part of me is like trying not to get too excited for the future because, you know, it is Valve. Um, But that ending there is very clear that like they are really thinking about the future of this series and they've got some big things planned. Oh, man. That's so exciting. Yeah. Because, yeah, Michael just keeps like the other day he was even like, oh, you finish it yet? I want he just he's like begging to talk to me about the ending and I need to finish it. I think I'm going to do it this weekend because everything you really everyone should. says about it mm-hmm. it's just like holy shit it's incredible and like yeah. I, like, desperately it, want to play I, it. I need to know i need to know mm-hmm. i've waited it went, 13 years <laughs> it went from like a really great vr game at the beginning which i i thought i thought the introduction was excellent in that game and how it showed you all the mechanics of vr without really showing you the mechanics of vr like this is how you do like it 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 did it very smartly yeah there were certain instances like the gravity gloves for example they like had very direct tutorials telling you how to do it um but i really like the intro and as i was playing through it i was like okay i'm pretty into this but that second half when things start to fall into place uh i was like i I told myself like all right i'm just gonna play an hour tonight and get through it later this week but i sat down and ended up playing four hours of it just in one sitting because I was so engrossed in what was going on. Um, but yeah, it, for me, it's definitely definitely going to be at least somewhere in my top 10 this year, I bet, because I was incredibly impressed. Damn. Do, do you know if you find Gordon Freeman's passport in that? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that the other day. Oh my God, Dave sent it to me. I was talking with Dave on Tuesday about something and he sent it to me. And I just, I just started like crying, laughing at it's my so, desk. So it I, I, Timor sent it to me a couple days ago. Yeah, I, I watched the, I watched the live stream of it when it was <gasps> first showing, and I was like, "This is wild! This is the best thing I've seen." It was like three. <laughs> so we should, three we should explain weeks. what this is. So there's, yeah. a, there's, there's a series called Half Life VR, but the AI is self-aware, um, and it's just a dude playing as Gordon Freeman. But the characters around him are clearly being played by other people. They're, they're voiced by his friends, I think. Yeah, but it's just so funny. And I saw it and it's like the first person you meet is a guard who just demands to see Gordon Freeman's passport. But he's like, what are you talking about? I'm in a HEV suit. I'm literally supposed to be here. They're rushing me the into only the person. With yeah, the I'm suit. the only one with the suit. But it's so f- I remember watching it. And then I watched like episode three came out and I was like, oh, crap, I need to catch up on this. Mm. And I watched it. It was so fun. I sent it to, I think I sent it to Jake. I sent it to Callie. I sent it to Danny O'Dwyer, who posted it on Twitter. I sent it to Dave. <laughs> I sent it to, I sent it to everyone I knew that has like the remotest interest in it. And it's just like the fun. I, I think it's the best thing I've watched on YouTube in ages. <laughs> it is I, I need honestly to... like the best, most original idea for a Let's Play I think yeah. I've ever seen. I, I, I want to know like how they made it, like the, like the tech a behind mod. it. Yeah, so, so it is. It's a mod. He, the guy who made it. Um, it don't. I think it, it was on Reddit. Someone found the mod, um, and were posting about it. Um, so yeah, that's how they're doing it. 
but honestly, just the hello, Gordon. Hello, Gordon. that guy. That <laughs> guy in Gordon. particular. Yeah, he's so. I, I he's. I thought he was a robot because he yeah. he like talks. He sounds just like one of the scientists. In they the sound exactly Half-Life. the same. Yeah, and and he there was a a moment where he was like talking and then got grabbed and it, it sounded almost like he. It sounds like in the game when yeah. like one line gets interrupted by another line, and yeah. I was like, "Is that a robot? Is that a real person?" I was like, I couldn't figure it out. And <laughs> that, that guy's particular. Some, there's some like Doctor Kuma is amazing. There's a guy. There's a. There's just some lines where like there's one which I was I was rewatching an old episode, and one of the scientists just shouts, "You're a filthy little sewer boy, aren't you, Gordon?" And I just I just like I just died. I was like, I can't deal with this. This is too much. Oh, it's just like yeah. the, it is the most funny thing I've seen in so long. Oh. I love it so much. And, and, and what's it? What's it called? Like, what, what was the title of it? Half Life VR, but the AI is self aware. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. The, the the acting is like so good. Like the it's the guy who plays good. Gordon does such a great job. Like, yeah. trying to play it straight and like pretending yeah. like he's really Gordon Freeman in this situation. Yeah. And <laughs> it's going to call this episode Gordon Freeman's passport. By yeah. the way, yes. <laughs> Uh, this the the guard when he does the uh, calming technique, the uh, Black Mesa calming noise. Where he walks up to people and just goes ah, like a blue light fires out. They they work on that. That that gag becomes amazing when you get like deeper into it. It's such a good show, such a good. I show. gotta watch more of it. I only watched the episode you sent me. <laughs> so good, it's so good, so good. Um. Anyway, other than Half Life, Alex, I haven't finished RE three, but I'm about or RE3 remake, I'm about a couple hours in. I'm enjoying it well enough. You know, yeah. it's it, it, it's it been fun. I I don't, I, I can already tell I'm not going to go back and replay it multiple times like I did with Resident Evil 2. Uh, it just, it doesn't have that same atmosphere. Mm. I don't know. It, it's just not quite doing it for me. I don't even really mind all the set pieces in this game. Like, I think they're fine, but I think it's the moments in between that are still... I think Alessandro mentioned this in his review, but it all just feels so rushed. Like it just feels like I'm going from one place to the next before I can even really soak in where I am, like get an understanding of where different things are. And it it just, I don't know. Like I know some people, some people kind of prefer this more or prefer this more than Resident Evil two, just because Mm -hmm. you're not backtracking a lot, but I don't know. I kind of liked learning an area like intimately and figuring out where all the secrets were and where the doors were and whatnot and like coming up with routes uh that i could use to get to certain places while trying to avoid mr x while this is just kind of like all right i'm in an area i'm gonna loot as much as i can until the next uh until the next set piece happens and then i'm gonna shoot the nemesis a bunch in this arena and then move on to the next part Mm. yeah i think that's Mm. like what you said the the set pieces are fine but at the end of the day like what i remember the most about my playthrough resident evil 2 was like those uh like those random moments that happen that are like unscripted with like mr x or like a zombie like just just those like like player like water cooler moments and i don't feel like any of that happened for me in resident evil 3 it was like yeah that scripted moment was cool um but like i i I didn't come away like having any particular fond like moments the way i did with uh with 2 Hmm. That's a shame. That's my. It's one of my favorite Resident Evil, so I was really excited to play it. And then I re- heard the stuff. I read Alessandro's review, and I was like, "That's a crying shame." It seems like they didn't put in as much effort or 
didn't have as much ambition for it as they did with the RE2 remake. Or just not yeah, of time. It kind of seems I mean, that way. Yeah, time, maybe, maybe time, yeah. One or even year, resources, right? like, resources as well. I mean, yeah. you imagine that they were developed in parallel. Um, mm-hmm. but, maybe, but... I don't know. Yeah. I Like, I, overall, like, it's not... It's it's not a bad game by any stretch. Like I've no. been having fun with it, and I think it's it's it, it's polished. It's it's still it's still Resident Evil, right? So it's it's fun mm-hmm. seeing like Jill in those situations and whatnot. Uh, and I I don't regret because I I didn't get a code for it, so I bought it, and I don't regret buying it. Um, but at the same time, it's like yeah, this is. Uh, yeah i'm not going to be playing this nearly as much as i did re2 and it definitely won't have the same effect that re2 remake mm. had on me yeah. and mind you i'm someone who whose first resident evil game was resident evil 4 so i didn't play uh the original resident evil 2 i didn't play the original resident evil 3 this is just someone who is kind of catching up through these remakes and yeah so far i think re2 is definitely my favorite of the remake so far. Well, and, yeah, I would say like two is sort of like that one end of the spectrum of like that open-ended survival horror, and four is like the peak, like linear but like really tight action. This kind of feels like it's somewhere in between, where it's just like yeah, it's not as like open-ended as RE two, but its action set pieces aren't as tight as four, so like it just kind of sits in the middle and it's fine, but it like it doesn't, it never hit any of the highs of of that mm-hmm. series for me. It does not hit different. No, it does not. Nope. You know, it does hit different, though. Ooh. Hello, Gordon. <laughs> no, that was my... That was, uh, that was a great talk about segue. So, Final so Fantasy. Before we get into Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, sorry to do this, but I kind of want to run through the other topics quickly just so we can get them out of the way All right, and right. save Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the first one is one that we missed last week that I, we put in the title because we wanted people to know that you know, we, we recorded just... it before this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but th- this is a big one. Something that I'm very bummed about. It makes a lot of sense. But The Last of Us Part Two has been delayed. And what is more disappointing is that there's no set release date. I think Sony has even been uh, refunding digital purchases. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like this delay could be for a very long time. Uh, I am so bummed. I'm really I was yeah. so excited for this I... game. As many other people, like, I totally get it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to put... I don't want any of these people at risk. I don't want them to go into... To, to their job to work on a video like yeah no they should work well, from home the, and like it's also such a weird game to release right now yeah but i'm so bummed it's well, killing I, me i think that was i mean maybe i'm wrong but from what like neil Druckmann was saying the game is basically done i think the yeah. issue is more that sony didn't want to release it because like just the climate of releasing that game wouldn't do well, it as many but favors. i think as well so, re- retail yeah, distribution yes, retail, exactly. Yeah. Distribution too. It's not just you know like tonally, it's not just that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I think just everyone like, is like, market. Yeah, Iron Man as well got a delay too. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah, about it's, two weeks before. Yeah. Do you think this is going to affect like Ghost of Tsushima? Like how is like they that's they the, had this like very question, clear right? like Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, and that's setting up the PS5. Like, mm, what do you? I kind of you know what I kind of feel like. They were able to do the Last of Us delay because they have Ghost of Tsushima. Um, mm. I feel like they were like, we can put out Tsushima that's like ready to roll, and Last of Us is the climate is not there right now. The marketing and the 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 distribution that they want to put behind that is no disrespect to Ghost of Tsushima. I'm incredibly excited for it. Um, it's very much looks like my jam, but like 
the scale difference between distribution marketing between Last of Us Two and Tsushima is vast. Um, totally. Yeah. And, so, and, like, they probably spent. I mean, it's Naughty Dog, right? Sony probably invested so much money into this game that they want this launch to be like flawless. You know, they they want yeah. as many people to buy this game as possible. And if they released it now, like Lucy was just saying, they'd cut off a big portion of those those like retail sales. I. I that what I said is to is also kind of me hoping that Tsushima doesn't get delayed because I desperately want yeah. to play that game. I want to play that game too. Yeah. yeah, I do. I, I mean, I do wonder when it comes to retail what the split is between Amazon and brick and mortar stores like Game and GameStop now nowadays. Because I th- I wonder if this is to do with Amazon putting saying you know non essential items are going to get delayed. Uh, obviously, the launch of Final Fantasy VII has been bizarre to watch play mm. out um <clears throat> like just stores in australia and the uk and europe just going screw it we're going to be closing soon come in and buy it so i understand that sony wouldn't want that situation with a title like last of us part two especially because people will hey there's already gameplay that's leaked online so do not look for that but <clears throat> there's also yeah there's also safety concerns right because like mm. i i don't know how much thought there is on their side put into this i assume it's a lot but like a game like last of us which is hotly anticipated probably one of the biggest game releases for that console definitely of this year like people are desperate enough to play it to do stupid things to get it like if they put it out as normal there's probably a good chance that people have been like i'm going to the store i need last of us and like at a certain point they're probably considering how much of a responsibility do they have to ensure that they're not creating circumstances where people are putting themselves at risk. We saw what GameStop did where they were like, we're still going to release these games, you can come and buy them. And the backlash to, to that was loud and very, very deserved. And I bet you they're probably thinking... We don't need to be in that situation. We can't become part of the problem when everyone else is saying stay home, you know, isolate, don't do these X, Y, Z things. And those happen to be like essential things like traveling for work, putting out a video game that people are going to want to go to the store and break those rules for is probably a concern, potentially even a legal risk. If they if they did it, um, it could result in some sort of like backlash from governments and, you know. It's just generally a bad idea, so it's understandable as bummed as we are. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, it still is crazy to think that they have no set release date either. Like, because you, you can't just be like, all right, things are cleared up, so we're going to release Last of Us in two weeks. Like, you have a whole, like, marketing train that needs to be started up again and get going. Like, you can't just, like, okay, looks like we're good. Naughty Dog, time to release Last of Us now. Can you do it in a couple days? Like, I imagine, <clears throat> like, this delay... I don't know. I, I hope we get it. I bet it'll be fall. If that, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I know people were... <clears throat> oh, God, sorry. I have such a frog in my throat. People were banding around end of August. But mm. I, I don't know what that's based on. Or maybe it's just wishful thinking. I mean, technically, it could be a PS5 <laughs> launch title. Like... Mm-hmm. If that's it goes yeah, far enough. Yeah. yeah, if it goes far enough. And, like, that is a... Given the circumstances, that is a decent case scenario. Like it comes out, they push it all the way to PS5 launch. They're still confident in putting the, 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 in their time frame for PS5, even though it's not specific yet. But having a Last of Us game available and playable there, they could spend the time from now until then optimizing it for PS5. And having that available at launch is a decent concession on their part. And for right. people like us, it's 
it's a it's a glass half full way to think about it yeah i mean i i could definitely see that i could see it because it i mean from what we've heard so far it sounds like both sony and microsoft are still on track to get their console out this this fall yeah um, you can play it on their brand new controller oh yes Ooh. moving right along here which they tweeted yesterday out of the blue and <laughs> it's so weird this is Such a i'm gonna i'm gonna it. preempt this before tam okay. exposes me uh i so wasn't me, gonna say anything i'm not look, that kind of person you said you recorded it and you're gonna post it online <laughs> yeah i said that for bands you know I yeah do that. i know so me me tam uh simon cardi friend of the show and uh blessing from kind of funny we're playing overwatch yesterday and Tam kind of goes, oh, Sony's just announced a new controller. And we thought it Hold was... Hold on, sorry. Is Blessing not a friend of the show? Oh, Blessing is a friend of the show. But he... okay, Blessing, Blessing... <laughs> it's, it's because every time I mention Cardi, I always say friend always of the show, friend Simon of the Cardi. Show, yeah. But also Ble- <laughs> Blessing, friend of the show. Um, we were playing Overwatch and we thought he just meant like they announced a new color of Shock 4. And the way that the conversation was going is that like it was really fragmented. And then you said it's called DualSense, which I said sound... Well, we all just said, like, this is completely fake. This is not real at all. They were, they were actively <coughs> mocking me. Like, they were like, oh, we, very we did funny. a little bit. This, uh, is, this is when you can tell Tam's lying, when he makes up things like a DualSense. Because you, like, no, you said something like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a dual sense. Like, it sounded like you were reaching to make <laughs> that. Anyway, and then... Don't trust right. the former head of news for GameSpot ever for, Look, for your breaking news. According to your Twitter feed, it still says head of news, which is yeah, not true, your job title. True. Um, <laughs> also, like, DualSense. Re- that name, I get that they're pushing the haptic feedback, but it sounds a little bit like a sex toy. The, yeah. That's, like, that's I'm, I'm just going to put that out there because that's why I thought it was a joke. Because I, that's what it sounds like. We should anyway. edit one of those, one of those, uh, like destroy your jewel videos for a dual sense. <laughs> okay, <your> bye. <laughs> anyway, controller looks cool. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you can't really judge a controller until you hold it and play a game with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was surprised that it was white. I mean, yeah, I'm actually kind of happy it's white. I, I go back on it. I know some people were like, oh, it's gonna get fingerprints and whites you know like black's a lot better for that and yeah. and but like honestly i like fun colors on things i hate that all of my consoles are just these like black bricks i like oh, variety oh, see, see, I'm, the, I'm the opposite i am like i um, love it what is the I henry want a white. ford quote where it's like you can have your car any color you want as long as it's black that's that's me <laughs> no nah, man i want like, that everything that is... orange gamecube i want fun colors so i'm excited oh, that wow. the ps5 might be white it might look different no i it's... yeah i got the i got the gray the black and gray switch joy cons because and, and then i got me the gray too. switch light because i was like all these colors look fun but i don't want any of them see <laughs> i have all, i have all black make my room fun yeah i have all black but my switch joy cons are yellow and it drives me mad <laughs> and i hate it and I can see, and like my controllers are blue and red, and because I have the Monster Hunter uh, PS4 Pro, which oh, is, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I love Monster Hunter. It's one of the most hideous PS4 Pros controllers. Mm-hmm. The controller is god awful. I'm, I'm like, what is this? It's gross. But the actual PS4 looks super slick. But the the color mismatch, I like it to be like, like you are Lucy, like blended in. I don't want to see the technology. But I mean, I mean, you can't see because it's hidden behind my plant. 
but I have the Xbox One X um, Taco Bell edition. So, um, <laughs> which was, uh, Greg gave it to me because I needed a One X. I had a One, uh, but I wanted an X. Uh, and it's like a, a weird black, gray, white sort of gradient thing. And even that puts me off. So I've hidden it behind my plant. <laughs> <sighs> I love colors. Uh, More colors. I'll, I'll I, take them all. I mean, that's how I, I color my room with my lights. I mean, Every, the, everything the thing, else is sleek and, you know, monochrome. The, the, thing, the thing to remember too, right, is that like the control you're going to get on a launch like ps5 you're gonna get rid of in a couple years probably yeah. oh the yeah. rubber's like, gonna wear it, off in like a month the thing that yeah i, I mean hopefully they fix that but them to do is i want them to release a version with i mean the um the face buttons don't have the the colors attached to them like the blue oh. cross and the yeah. green triangle and whatever so i was like i'd, I'd like a, i'd like them to do a version where it looks like that the thing that i yeah. think actually i'm i'm in pretty upset that they they're continuing off this trend is the like not calling the start and select button start and select like they they have they're adopting that three line thing that xbox did this generation and now they have this like weird like spiked three lines like i'm like what do you call that like when you tell your friend like hit hit the button you're like i vote we use mary kish's button now (laughs) no i vote you use mary kish's options which is hamburger and fries yeah yeah yeah, because that's what i'll be calling them Shout out to I mean, that's the best thing to do, but like, why? Why? What's wrong with start and select? Well, I saw I, I saw someone it. tweet where it was like, "What the hell would you say if you if someone who doesn't play games is holding this controller? What the hell button would you tell them to press?" And yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah, I still say select. I still say start and select. Yeah, exactly. I still say start select. Everyone Options. still says it, so why not just Share. call it that? Press the hamburger. Bring press back the, the old GameSpot start select, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Any more thoughts on the controller? I mean, I think Lucy's pretty much said it right. Like, I, I'll i have no opinions on this until, I guess, it's in my hand and I'm playing a game with mm-hmm. it. Because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, the I, controller, that, I don't that really neutral, care. The neutral guy from Futurama, it's like, I have no strong feelings one way or the other. <laughs> well, I think the more yeah. interesting thing is, like, it, it has to aesthetically align with the PS5 mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. way. So, like, it kind of yeah. gives you, like, a little insight into how the it's system true. itself could look. So I mean, it could, it could go either way. It could be, like, the the main color which is white or the accent color which was like a blacky bluey style thing um but so there's probably like i bet you they have a reverse option as well where you can get a black controller with white trim um but like i think the key part of it is like so that to run it through run through it it's got that two-tone color design it's got a different form factor it's a little more curvy it's got the light bar is no longer right at the top it's beneath beneath it like to the bottom of it mm-hmm. um, still there though yeah it's presumably got, for vr right yeah, yeah 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 so it's got haptic feedback so mm-hmm. that's something that the pro controller for the xbox series x has um not series x the uh one x um Mate, so that's I cool i love my pro controller it's, it's I've got fantastic the, no not pro, the elite pro controllers elite, are nintendo yeah nintendo the elite one, series yeah. two is yeah that's the one i've got as well and like i'm i'm it's helping me play doom on mm-hmm. on um console because otherwise i wouldn't be able to um it's got adaptive triggers uh mm-hmm. which is another thing is also in that um elite controller which is good uh rechargeable battery via usb c the series yeah. x has that's double what A's. i was gonna say that's important yeah. i'm sticking my controller up but it's not focusing but i hate this mini usb well, i hate it, it isn't it because yeah. uniformly everyone's changing to that now 
Yeah, so, that's yeah, yeah that's hopefully. Yeah. yeah, and then it's got a built-in mic, which is interesting because they say it's good for short conversations. <laughs> so it's like I described yeah. it. I described it as the mic you used to say, "Hold on, let me get my mic." Yeah. Um. So that's, do, that's the mic you that remember... you used to say, "Pick a character." Yeah. <laughs> pick. Do you guys remember with Xbox 360, you could send voice messages to people? Oh, oh yeah. mate, I oh. I have because th- that was predominantly how I like message people on Xbox because typing took forever. Yeah. So it was me. I don't know how old I was, but. I had a much higher pitched voice sending Hello. all these voice messages to people I like probably didn't know that well because I just game. played Call of Duty with them. And it was just, oh, oh my gosh. I wish there I was got... an archive of that stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, I, I'm I happy wish... there's not. So I, 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 I saved a bunch of mine. So I used to share mine with my younger brother. And my younger brother was is a savant at Halo. It's scary how good he was at Halo. And every time I'd come home from like school or work or something, I'd, I'd turn my Xbox on and there would just be a a list of aggressive <laughs> messages for me to listen to about these people just screaming at a kid for being too good at Halo. And it was the same for like Street Fighter and stuff like that. I wish I had those because people would, they would just lose their minds. And it was so funny. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, that's the topics we have this week. Um, just for the record, I think for news, we're not going to, like, you should know this by now, but we're not going to try to hit all the big stories, or all the stories, we're just going to pick a couple big ones, but we're done with news for now, and we're going to move on to Final Fantasy VII to more. Mm-hmm. You gave Final Fantasy VII a 10 out of 10, which is essential on the GameSpot scale. It is the first 10 you've given, and it is what, GameSpot's 8, 7, 8, 17, I don't, 18th? Something don't like that. Oh, wait, no, because I think Disco was 16th, and then... Persona 5. Persona was 17th, and then, yeah, you were 18. Yeah, 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first Anyway, so first one. do you want to sum up your review um, just for background, like overall what you thought of it, what, why this game you feel is essential? Oh, man. Oh, I don't know how to sum as up As quickly that as review. possible, I'll give you a sentence. <laughs> oh, that review was, I know I've said this multiple times, but like that was one of the hardest things I've ever written um, I, for so I many love reasons. Your your final line like I think really like it feels profound that you say mm-hmm. at the, the end of that review. A lot of people, like, a lot of people comments love that too, notice that too. Mm-hmm. I have, I've been trying not to read the comments cause I'm terrified of what's no, in they're, they're so. super they're positive. The, the oh, comments good. are, it's surprisingly positive. Uh, at least for you too. I don't know about GameSpot. Um, people always find something to complain about in GameSpot comments. So yeah, I mean like it's, it's, it's a difficult game to talk about, but I can suffice it to say that, I I loved it enough to give it a 10 and like there's something I've been thinking about what it is about it that made me push it because obviously I, you all know that I also love Sekiro and I reviewed that last year and I gave it a 9 and I was like looking at Final Fantasy and I was like why why did I give this a 10 like instead mm-hmm. of a 9 what was it about it and I think part of it is the nostalgia and to ignore the nostalgia would be stupid like I don't think you can do that it would be I think you'd be failing at your job if you ignored the nostalgia part of it and acted like it didn't have an impact on you so I put a bit in my review where I said yeah it works as it, it, nostalgia does what nostalgia does to you mm-hmm. but it's important that to notice that like that it does more than that and i think john luke is a testament of this um same for a bunch of other people um if you listen to any other podcast like the kind of funny guys greg miller was talking about it um same for blessing i believe um andy cortez there's a bunch of people who have never played 
the Final Fantasy VII original, and I just like this is unreal. And yeah. I think the reason it deserves a ten is it executes on exactly what it wanted to be, but but is what it wanted to be wasn't just a remake. It was like taking something that was beloved and remaking it in a way that is better than the original. Very few things can do that. We've had amazing remakes over the years. Shadow of the Colossus remake is fantastic. There's various other remakes that are good. But nothing that took the original source material and reworked it into something as good as this. People who are listening to this who are like inclined to complain are going to complain about things that are changed in the story. And yeah, it does change things in the story and it sets up things that, to be very different in the future going on and like the problem i have with that mentality is like i i i see a lot of people saying how can you give it a 10 when they did x y and z to this to this thing and changed it and my thinking is like but it doesn't right now i can't i can't ding it for something that it hasn't done mm-hmm. what the game is is just outstanding it's phenomenal it's this beloved story told in a way that feels modern and more human and more relatable and more like just heartfelt it's it's a level of of like nuance and writing that i just did not expect from i'm gonna be i'm gonna be 100 honest i didn't expect it from square enix i didn't expect it from final fantasy i know i shouldn't yeah. say that because 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 ziv exists and ziv is but Ziv is still like the exception. It was the exception. It was the one Final Fantasy game where if Haim was here, he'd be going mad. But like, that is, that is the strongest written Final Fantasy game that exists. Um, but again, like the mainline Final Fantasy games are created by a different team. They don't have the same writer. And the writing quality on those is subpar for me. Like, it's not good. It's It's archetypes and they create interesting worlds, but there's things about those games that I just don't ever hit for me. Like the dialogue is off, often miss for me. But in this game, every part of it is, it feels like it lands and it feels like it was really carefully thought of, thought of and executed on. Like there's so many funny moments, so many lines of dialogue that are endearing, heartwarming. Yeah, there's the odd clunker, but it doesn't detract from the experience. There are moments where, like, where I thought, this, that is, this is a level of poignancy I never thought I'd get from Final Fantasy. There's lines where, like, the comedic timing on it is just perfect. Like, there's, there's, and it's not just is written as a well, good joke. It's written well, it's delivered perfectly, and then the camera angle, the directing behind it absolutely nails it. There's one line in particular, which I won't spoil, which is like, a character is dressed in a way that no one else expects and is very much aware of the fact that everyone else is like, what are you, why are you dressed like that and the, the the delivery of his line which responds to to the, to the kind of like the incoming barrage of questions about the situation is just it's flawless like i remember thinking that is that is like high level comedy standard delivery and it's coming from final fantasy which i didn't expect but like it's an incredibly nuanced story it deals with you know an eco-terrorist group and it doesn't shy away from the fact that some people don't believe in their cause. And for a lot of the time, the things that they're trying to achieve are hurting the people around them. And although, sure, in the future, it may pay dividends, there's a small chance that it might improve things. You're constantly being reminded that this is a small group of people fighting a behemoth. And is there really worth in sacrificing so much for the small chance that you might change something? 
um, the people around you are constantly reminding you of that. The characters that are involved in that story are also reminding of you of that. Tifa, for example, I mentioned it in the review, is like she's constantly second guessing herself and she's second guessing the cause. She's and she's doing it not just because as a scripted thing. She's looking. They show what what she's thinking about they show a character called marlene who's a little girl who works in the bar that she works at and is like the main character one of the main character barrett's daughter and like you can see that some of her concerns are because of what she feels for marlene and what she feels for the people around her um and it's such a nuanced way to think about it and that kind of stuff is is just it it it's considered and it fleshes those characters out in a way that the original just wasn't at all um and then there's like stuff like the combat, which I describe like as the perfect balance between action from like the 15 era and like Lightning Returns and all those kind of the Lightning series and the classic Final Fantasy VII where you're just standing in one spot and issuing commands. There's like a perfect balance. It's the first time I described it as in my review that the action focus doesn't come at the expense of their strategy. It just feels so good. And they kept the material system and they made it work well. The material system is probably my favorite um, RPG upgrading system because if for people don't know, like you get this gem which essentially encapsulates a magical ability and then you use it and it levels up and then you can take that gem and give it to any character and it's not like that character is not not proficient in it because the experience that you've pumped into that gem and that magic it carries over so you can just turn your like melee fighter into a long range um, magician if you want to and it's just works so good it's so free form you can come out whenever you hit a roadblock with a character or a boss or something like that you can just think about how can I make this interesting and make it more um, kind of fun for me to mess around with the loadouts and see if I can figure out another way to come at it? That is fun. The music is unreal. Oh, it is. Oh my god! This is this. I I have thought about the the soundtrack is eighty dollars, and I constantly think about buying it. And like I will pitch I, in to to buy that soundtrack. Yeah. I was we'll pitch it in, we'll rip it and put it on Kazar. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> I was I was very very happy that I found a version of it of 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 the soundtrack that had been taken from the demo on YouTube because mm. when I was writing it, I like to try and get into the mindset of the game I'm playing, and I had that playing in the background and like it it made me it makes you emotional. It makes me it made me emotional writing. Like I was able to try and the one thing I struggled with was properly representing my feelings about the game but also making sure that i'm doing justice to the fans that love final fantasy 7 i wanted to make sure that like my fandom was obvious to them so so that they could look at me and my review as someone they can trust um but do it in a way that doesn't push it into the territory where people think that i'm not considering the things i'm saying because i'm so blinded by my love of it and that's that balance is really difficult to strike and like i had that music playing and there were moments where i'd like just listen to the music to try and find the words i wanted to say um and that that orchestral soundtrack is so evocative it's so well done the motifs that it carries through like they're they, they they're so subtle at times but then they build to crescendos and whether it's like Sephiroth's theme or Aerith's theme or just like a random theme that is playing while you're wandering like a sewer district. It's just, it makes you listen. It, it's on, I don't want to say it's on par with 
Persona 5 because Persona 5 has a very distinct style and bop and mm. but like in terms of quality and thoughtfulness in production I think it's there it's one of my favorite video game soundtracks of all time and that is in keeping with every other aspect of the game visually it's absolutely stunning it's one of the best looking games I've seen and I don't put a lot of stock into like how good a game looks and people have been pointing out oh there's low res textures in there but I honestly people pointing that out are doing that at the expense of everything else that looks amazing you're looking there's at low res textures in every yeah, game every single game but like it, the thing that blows my mind is like they're, they're looking at people are looking at this door which is like low low poly or like this flower and in the background is this unbelievable vast city there's like this 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 massive plate above them in the sky that is blocking out the sun and the moment you look at it it's just like you get this feeling of oppression and feeling of like being unable to escape the the misfortunes of living in the slums or like you look at a character like tifa or barrett and like you can see like into their eyes and almost feel that they're alive and like the the way their hair moves the way they you know just behave in movement and that all is just lost and pushed aside because there's a flower that's got not enough polygons and i'm like you're missing the point here it's just a gamers yeah i'm like i'm not i'm not trying to hate on people like people care about things to different levels but there's so much beauty in this game it's overwhelming at times there's there's points where you're so high up in this tower and you're looking over midgar and it will stop you in your tracks because it's like you see in the distance this horizon and there's a desert beyond and the light looks like it's filtered through this this like sand dunes and it's like covering the city and you just look out there and you're like this is unbelievable how good this looks and it's just it's just phenomenal to look at and and i don't think it's a as people say like oh low res low poly whatever it's just one of the most stunning games i've ever seen and i can't believe it's the kind of game it's it's, the, it's how you'd imagine a game would look this far into a playstation's life cycle right. it's stunning did you did you play on a uh, playstation 4 or playstation 4 pro just out of curiosity i played on a pro and um okay. it, that, that pro was putting in work like there were times when mm-hmm. i'm glad i had that soundbar because i had to crank it real up to drown up drown up the ps4's fans but <laughs> the, it, it will make your ps4 work um but that's just like one part of it that it's the it's the characters that really 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 will stick with you and like they i said it in my review but this is this is why people love these characters like you could you love them people loved them back then but there was a lot of like filling in the gaps putting pouring your own ideas and thoughts into these characters that had been like created almost as caricatures but like they're very thin when you look at them now but you I dare anyone to spend some time with Aerith and not just be like, I love her. I love her so much. And like, just be around Tifa and look at her and just be in awe of how powerful she is. Watch her just like destroy the world around her with her punches and kicks. She's such a powerhouse. And then she'll come to you and have this moment of vulnerability that will just make your heart sink. And it's like having a close friend open up to you. And like Barrett, you see him, he's like, I described him as like a WWE pay-per-view character because he's just screaming and and he's he's always doing cutting a promo but then you have a moment when he just picks up his daughter and says something to her and it will just melt your heart and like wedge and Bar- uh, wedge and uh biggs and jesse and jesse is a character that is just given no time in the original game and you meet her and she's 
she throws herself at Cloud. She's like, maybe you'll be like, you know, my leading man. And she's like, she is very much horny on main. Like she everyone, all everyone is horny everyone on main is. in this game. But like, there's a moment where you do a quest and you realize a quest, you do a mission. I hate describing them as missions and quests because it just sucks the the heart out of it. You do, you go on like, you do this job with her and you realize why she's like that. She has this, she had a dream and it, and it impacted her personality in a specific way. And then you look at her completely different from that point. And you're like, oh, I understand why you behave like this. And it makes you think about that. And same for like Biggs as well. Like Biggs is a character who like seems like he's just uh, very charismatic, like cool, calm, collected soldier type. And then you, there's a line someone says where they're talking about someone else in their past and they mention a name and you're like, oh, wait a second, you connected to this, connected to this, connected to this, and you were here doing this thing. And you're like, I did not expect you to have a role in this thing that's happening in front of me. And like, even this, there's a small thing that I use to highlight um, why it's essential to try and do everything in that game. There's this mission where you go to a part of a city and a character, which is a teacher, asks you to find a bunch of her students that are running around the city on a patrol. And it is, you look at it and even I remember going, great, it's basically a dynamic fetch quest. I need to run around this area and find these kids. And I did it. I found these kids. I returned them home. Some of them like were trickier to find because there's enemies that you fight on the way and they're in the area. And then a few a few missions later, I had to do a similar mission, which was like the same mission. The kids are off again, or you need to go and find these kids. And I was like, what is this? And then I found those kids. Every single one of those kids was wearing a wooden version of Cloud's Buster Sword on their back because <laughs> they he had rescued them. He had become their hero. And now they were going around town just trying to be like Cloud. And that was like... I could have missed that easily, but that little bit of character development, and you could see the impact it has on Cloud. He's this cold-hearted character. He only wants money, but then he even he sees these kids who idealize him, and he's like, damn, I've got to pay attention to what's happening. And you can see him, like he's thrust into these relationships that he doesn't want to start with, and he just can't escape them. And it's he's caught on a web of like humanity, and that's the most interesting part of this game. And like I said, like, there's a point where you meet Aerith, you walk through an area with her, and honestly, like, the music playing, speaking to her, like, I, I couldn't contain my emotions. I was like, uh, I just burst out crying because I was like, this is everything I wanted it to be. And, like, that specific moment, speaking to Aerith, it was like, I think it's one of the one of the greatest gaming moments I've ever had. So I, I just love this game to, mm. to bits. And it's important to once again reiterate that is enhanced by my nostalgia for the game. But I think if you, if you, even someone like who has no nostalgia for it, can see the value in, Greg? in it. Yeah, John Luke can speak. John Luke as well. Yeah, John Luke too. Like it's never clicked for him before, and he was telling me like the same, just like how much he was really enjoying. So like, the air. Well, I, I mean, I almost like. I'm more interested to see what people think of this game who are nostalgic because I feel like nostalgia is tricky, right? Everyone's mm -hmm. quick to say, oh, this is just fueled by your nostalgia. But if you're nostalgic for something and they like mess it up or something isn't quite right, like those are the people that are going to notice and those are the people that is going to call it out. It's not mm -hmm. the people who are like passing fans. Like myself, like I'm not going to, I'm going to play this game. I'm not going to notice that kind of stuff. Uh, 
because like I'm not nostalgic, but I, that that's why like hearing the fact that you're nostalgic and it's still it it it, it is more than what you'd ex- what you expected and all that stuff makes me even more excited to play this mm-hmm. game and more interested. Um, but I guess just to kind of like move things along here, Jean-Luc, you're someone who didn't play the original Final Fantasy VII, right? And you're still really enjoying it too. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've never, like, I 100% agree with everything Tamara said and I never played the original Final Fantasy VII. I have no nostalgia for it. I The few Final Fantasies I've tried, I've bounced off of. 13 I thought was incredibly dull. Um, I 15, I liked parts of it and then got bored of it pretty quickly this i was kind of i was expecting like i was excited to try it but i was like you know not really sure how it's gonna feel about it and i just kind of wanted to know you know what this final fantasy thing is all about because it, it is that like one that everybody is so nostalgic for and it is just it's so it's so well done the characters are like even, like in that first i played that first hour i played like the the demo which is essentially the first chapter and i remember being like yeah this is okay I was kind of irritated at Barrett and and I was sort of like, I don't know if this is going to, if these characters are going to work for me, but like it, it, they, if I, if you felt that way, the same way I did, I would say like, you have to give it more time because like almost immediately I feel like those characters start to like expand and develop more. And then like uh, my initial impressions of Barrett as like, you know, Tamora said, who's just this very loud, boisterous person, like melts away when he interacts with his daughter and even like his relationship with Cloud like develops and it it's this really like interesting, just like back and forth between them. I I think the the like way the the story develops, it it, it was so interesting, like because I was the only one in the office who like hadn't played the original, who's who was playing it, who got it early, and uh I just assumed that all of the like story stuff, all of these like added layers of like social commentary were in the original and they, they aren't like, they're kind of there, but they're like people being like, Oh yeah. Like that wasn't in there. And like, you didn't, they really didn't like dive into like dealing with the consequences of, of being, you know, part of this like eco terrorist group and like the convictions of your choices and sort of like the social, hierarchy of this like corporation who's kind of oppressing this system like it's there but it's apparently it's just not it it was it was kind of more surface level and i was shocked because it felt so so core to the story it felt like like are you kidding me like this this is what's making this story for me and like i was i was baffled that a lot of that stuff was just not in the original like it it feels so necessary so quick quick question for tomorrow so <clears throat> now this is obviously part one of three parts, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or multiple parts. How multiple how parts. long is like like if you take this section? How long is this section in the original game? Probably about three hours. Okay, so so okay, that's short. interesting. Okay, so there's a short, lot. Yeah. More I'd say here. three hours is probably an overestimation, if anything. It might be like two. Ben Ben played has been playing it for the first time recently. He said it took him about five ish. Okay, that's what he said right. to me. It's longer than I remember it, but it's it's a fraction of the story. Yeah, because like, how long is the game overall? Like the, the when you're in Midgard, that's like only is wait did I get it right? Midgard? Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, fake Final Fantasy fan here. Uh, th- like how long is the game overall? Like once you get out of there, it's pretty long still, isn't it? It's like eighty hours. The original, yeah, yeah. The original is like a minimum of... 
the, the problem with that game not problem but it's the thing that game is like it's got uh, layers upon layers of varied stuff so it can go for 100 hours yeah. if you wanted to but like minimum it's like 50 hours 50 60 hours if you're doing everything you can in the cool. main path but like this game okay. is 40 hours based on a three hours four, three to five hour stretch of the original and yeah like and it doesn't I, feel like they yeah. were just adding in filler like no. it all it all feels substantial it all feels it, like all, it so all feels impactful like, it all feels essential that's why i described it yeah. as in my review like it doesn't it doesn't make sense that this wasn't here it doesn't make sense how this story could have been told without this because it, it seems so crucial to the tale um yeah and it just plays so good like like you said i i've never i didn't like the combat in 15 like it, it feels like they took a lot of lessons from the way 15 played and really applied it to this one like i think that combat like I've I if they finally like figured it out you know like it feels like Square has been like trying to figure out how to like modernize Final Fantasy combat for for years and they've never quite hit it and this feels like the first one where it like it feels good it is like just bouncing back and forth between characters and like queuing up the commands and like when you figure out that system and you like have all of your you know characters abilities set in the materia and you are like planning and micromanaging your attacks and firing on all cylinders like it's so satisfying because you can the combat's actually like pretty tough like if you're not doing a good job you can die really easily but then when you like figure it out and you nail it it is like so satisfying yeah there's no there's no like random in the originals it'll be like you take three steps and you'll be in a random battle and you're fighting like constantly this is way more conservative in the amount of fights you have and because of that each fight is more in depth and like more meaningful it's mm -hmm. it's they're trickier they they feel closer to something like you know a a mini boss every skirmish is yeah. a mini boss and then there are bosses in between um but yeah it demands a lot of you but once you figure it out it's it's this kind of satisfaction that you have in playing a fire emblem a a XCOM, that kind of strategic movement of things and the satisfaction of watching your plans pay off in the way that you wanted them and even that persona style thing where you identify a weakness and then you exploit it and it puts that enemy on their on their backs and then you further jump in that kind of like the stagger system is just like that where you apply a pressure um, once you exploit a weakness, it applies pressure to them. And then if you keep doing that, they're staggered and it leaves them completely open. This doesn't have an all out cinematic attack, but it just means that you can pile on the damage and it feels so good when you do that because you feel smart and you feel like you've, you've kind of like figured out a character, a figured out an enemy. Yeah. In a way that like 15s never did, like I, I just remember like 15 feeling a little like oh, I'm just spamming the button. I'm kind of going through the motions. Like it didn't, quite click for me that way yeah. oh no jake's gone yeah oh, that happens <laughs> the camera's not meant for this it's fine i'll turn it back on soon uh um uh but yeah like it just like in 15 i, I just remember that combat being like pretty like i'm just kind of going through the motions and hitting the buttons and this i felt like i'm constantly thinking about it and and even like 15's open world um there are elements of it i like but i think it was too it suffered from just like it took forever to get anywhere and a lot of times it felt like filler like this feels mm. i think the restricted nature of um the environments really benefits the game it, it feels like every area it feels handcrafted it feels like like when you do the side missions it's like these small little town areas that that just feel big enough 
to feel fun to roam around in, but don't feel like too big where you're just like aimlessly wandering around in a way that I, I, I feel like about a lot of open world games. It, it has huge Yakuza energy. Like mm-hmm. I, you and me were both saying that like both in the structure, but then like you mentioned that the humor is like, it, it does. I don't know if that's what they did, but it feels like they took some lessons from like the way Yakuza fuses like its super serious tone with its like jokey like comedic moments mm. and it feels like they nailed that to me and and, and that's mm. coming from like a yakuza fan first not a final fantasy fan like i know the original game also had its goofy moments but something about the way they deliver it in this one it, it it's, works it, it doesn't feel like irritating in the way that i've played other jrpgs where like it's just like oh this character is trying to be funny but just comes off as really Mm -hmm. obnoxious like that doesn't happen in this game there are parts in the original where the the goofier parts are actually in by modern standards would be described as problematic oh sure oh yeah those those are in this remake but they are handled in i don't know everyone's 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 you know is different but i would describe it as progressive i would describe it as smart i would describe it as like very well done very well done and unexpectedly like very very respectful i there's a moment which could have been a in the old game would have been a lot of think pieces and twitter Mm -hmm. complaining in this game i felt uplifted by it I, I, i saw it and i was like i can't believe they said that and that is exactly what a lot of people will be wanting to hear is it is it what happy to hear is it what the guy said at the very yes, the cloud? After, after yes. The, after the unexpected. I so so we, we got we got to move on here. Oh, it's um, okay. Yeah, but that but, one stuck with me as well. Yeah. Uh, but before before we do that, uh, I do want to mention that next week you guys are going to do a spoiler cast, which will go up in this yes. podcast feed. Uh, so make sure to check that out. And actually, before we move on, uh, Lucy, I was curious if you are planning on. Do you have an, do you have experience with Final Fantasy VII? Are you planning on playing this? Like, I kind of yeah. want to know your background because you enjoyed Final Fantasy XV, right? I did, but I didn't finish it because of Chapter Thirteen, which sucked. Yes, and yeah. I never finished it, even though I know they patched it. Um, I am a big Kingdom Hearts fan for my sins, um, but I really enjoyed the demo for Seven. Hearing you guys talk about it, reading Tam's review, listening to Greg and talking to Greg about it. I'm really pumped to play Remake, and I was actually, uh, like, d- actually debating whether or not to start Persona 5 this close to it, but I think Persona is one of the games that I can just do in the background, because um, I feel like I'll finish Final Fantasy, and if I time it right, that's when the, the newer story stuff in Persona will be coming in, so it's like a nice little... Segway. Yes, things I couldn't play at the same time. Uh, no, I'm super excited to play it, and I have I have no fan affiliation really with Final Fantasy. Like I love twelve. I've been to a few of the concerts. I liked fifteen. Didn't really care for the other ones that I've tried. Um, but I do want to play. You know, eight and ten. Um, Thirteen is the one I'm referring to there. Um, but no, jazz to play fifteen. Uh, jazz to play seven remake. I've got fifteen so, on the brain. Sounds like you and I are in the same boat, yeah. except not a. Not, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts fan, and I. You love anime. Want to make sure everyone knows that. You love that. anime. I, I love. Sure I love Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts, Hearts, but this is the game that Kingdom <laughs> yeah. Hearts wishes it was. Like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That is fair. All right. Well, I think that's a good enough point to wrap up this Final Fantasy VII review discussion. If you want to hear more, uh, tune back in next week. Like I said, in this podcast feed, uh, John Luke is going to be doing a spoiler cast. So make sure you finish the game, obviously. But keep an eye out for that. Uh, should be more good discussion about the game. But let's move on to listener questions. Uh, Lucy, do you want to take this first one? Yes. This is from Jeremy in our Discord channel. Um, hit us up. Oh, one thing I should mention. Ooh. Sorry. Uh if you want to mess, if you want to send us questions, do it at afterdarkpodcast.gamespot.com or join our Discord. Uh, all these questions this week are actually from the Discord because I was trying to dig through my Gamespot After Dark label and it was kind of a mess because a lot of people were asking for Discord access and whatnot. Don't worry, uh, we still see your questions. We'll get them in, but for this week, we just went with Discord to make it simple because been a crazy week anyway sorry continue that's all right this is from jeremy who says i was thinking about this the other day do you guys remember coming across any memorable gaming myths when you were a kid things that you may have heard as a rumor at school or from friends that you tried to prove right or wrong i think the popular one is finding luigi in mario 64 but personally i encountered a lot with pokemon ruby sapphire for the game boy advance one was that you could become a member of the elite four after beating the pokemon league championship a hundred times uh, I think I gave up after around 15 tries. And another was that if you solved a puzzle using Braille, you could unlock a, a set of Pokemon called Reggie. My jaw dropped when I finally solved the puzzle and discovered them, and to this day I can't believe that turned out to be true. So I guess my question is, did any of you ever have any gaming myths like this when you were a kid, hmm. and did any of them actually turn out to be true? Braille. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, that's so the, the Reggie Steel, Reggie Ice, and Reggie oh, Rock that one? are all based on Braille puzzles, <gasps> which is interesting. I I guess I never thought of that. Most of mine come from Pokemon, too, though. Like, the Missing No was one that turned out missing to be no. real, but yeah. th- that was, like, people telling me about it, and I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah. And then, sure enough, I found it. Uh, but then in Pokemon Red and Blue, there were a ton of other stuff, like, like Mew Under the Truck. I remember yep. that one. That was a big one. Uh, and like, I even remember hearing how to become a gym leader or a uh, mm. member of the elite four and all that stuff. If you beat them enough and just all these ridiculous stories, but another big one too, is the original animal crossing. Uh, I remember hearing from friends in like online, seeing so much stuff being thrown around about what you could see and do in animal crossing. If you did these very specific things, like one of which had to do with like tricking Mr. Rossetti into doing this thing. And then you can like get rid of them permanently and all this weird stuff. Um, but yeah, th- those are off the top of my head what I can think of. Speaking Is of Mr. Animal Rossetti in the new Animal Crossing? No. Kind of. If you well, call the help services, oh, okay, that's cool. him. It, it's him on the other line, but he is like actually not in the game at all. Like even if you call them, he won't show up, which is a bummer. Wait, has Hopefully anyone seen Froggy Chair yet? I haven't, I haven't, seen, seen, Froggy I haven't seen Froggy Chair. I was going to say, speaking of Animal Crossing, I sort of appreciate how we've had this interesting like video game myth revival with yeah. with uh, new horizons mm-hmm. uh specifically liars on tiktok yes so i was gonna say yeah. my my girlfriend is both obsessed with animal crossing and tiktok and she is yeah. so frustrated at all these filthy filthy liars on tiktok who are like <laughs> claiming one... you can do all these things and so she's I like one... none of these are true and i'm so mad i put one in uh animal crossing slack yesterday and it was like okay i'm gonna try this update didn't work but i looked at all the comments on it it was something to do with how to get um it to spawn a mystery island every time yeah she she did the same one she tried the same one (laughs) all the comments were like oh my god this worked for me and then all of the duets were people going no this doesn't work at all this is a complete lie but I, wait, but I hadn't seen the duets yet so i'd only seen the comments and i felt like a fool 
there's a concerted effort on TikTok to spread misinformation around Animal Crossing for some reason. It's wild. Like I, I got, I did that. That thing happened to me where I got pulled into the algorithm for Animal Crossing on TikTok. And it's oh, just, I am there too. I can't get out. Yeah, it's pure lies. It's just pure <laughs> lies. And I'm like, why? What? Tom Nook would be well upset by this. No, the worst bit about being in Animal Crossing TikTok is everyone using the same sound, which oh. is the me 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 me. Me, 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 me. And they do these little conversations where it's like, me being insecure, my boyfriend hyping me up. And it's like, okay, I've seen yeah, this exact it. same meme dozens that, of times now. Use the sound for something else. I don't care. Is that or they're like flexing on like how good their island looks, but it was also yes. like two days into the game and I'm like, you filthy cheater. I know yeah. you time skip to get that. Sheet. Like. Yeah. So there's one rumor that um, I remember from Metal Gear Solid. So there's a pretty early in the game, you need to take the elevator to, I think it's floor B1, and there's a ladder on the far end that takes you into the vent. Mm-hmm. And then as you're crawling through the vent, you can look down and see Meryl Silverberg, who's a major character in the game and the franchise, just doing setups. Oh, and then yeah, there, was, yeah. there was this rumor where if you left, the, if you, after seeing her, immediately backed out of the vent, and then climbed back up in and did that, I think it was 30 times, all the way there, all the way back, you could see Meryl with her trousers off and you could see her, you could see her bits. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that is stupid. It is true. Oh it my is God. true. Yeah, I was going to say, that one's true. I, yeah, I was going to say that sounds like a... <laughs> I, I did it. I was like, this has got to be stupid. I did it and it was true. And I was like, how is this allowed? Like, it's Stop. in unbelievable but like the the graphics were so bad that it was just yeah. not not fun i mean got, no, got nothing out of that <laughs> the ones, the ones that, that, that i remember are definitely missing no that was the big playground one at the time when i was a kid but also naked lara croft what was oh, it? Yeah. that was meant to be oh, yeah. a, a cheat code that would make lara croft naked there was one that made her explode that was true but naked i don't i think was fake that that makes someone else explode all right moving on <laughs> all right this next one is from jacob also from the discord i just finished a short hike over the weekend the accomplishment of finishing games is great so i wanted to ask what are your favorite under the radar short games everyone always goes to games like journey but i'm hoping for more games like virginia 80 days or oxen free thanks um assemble with care on apple arcade is a great mobile game um kind of in the line of florence in that it uses the um touchscreen in really interesting ways you can blast through that in an hour or maybe two it's really good and very emotional and not that many people are talking about it because it's on apple arcade mm. uh i like bury me my love mm. which is a really interesting game about a girl who's in a war-torn country um just trying to make a journey out of it and it, the the gameplay mechanic is she's texting you so you're just having this text conversation with her and getting updates on her journey and it gets quite harrowing because she gets captured and forced into refugee camps it's it's not a fun time game but it's emotionally impactful and it doesn't take up a lot of your time there's a very natural limitation like she'll send you a text message and some of it is really difficult like her last text message may be like people are coming for me and then you won't hear from her for two days and you're like god i hope she's okay Mm -hmm. and then she'll send you a message later on maybe you know and it's like it's very short it takes like maybe a week or two of Play, uh, actively speaking to her to kind of get through it but it's a good game 
Uh, mine is a small PC game called The Fall. It's basically like a short sci-fi story. It kind of reminds me of those like golden age sci-fi uh, mm. stories that were written in like the 30s and 40s. It's uh, I, I don't want to say much about it. You basically play as like uh, a robot who and it's a robot AI in a in a like a combat suit, and your uh, pilot like kind of crashes on this planet and is and is like knocked out it's like in a concussion and so you have to like take over the suit to try and protect your pilot and your ai is sort of like going through this world that is with all this like dysfunctional robots and in it gets really dark and it has some like really i I think it's just like such a well told short story it only takes like a couple hours there is apparently a second there was a second part that i think came out last year i didn't play it um i heard it was not as good but but again i haven't played it for myself but even then i think like just that first part like stands on its own and i i mm. highly recommend it it's it's just a really really good um short sci-fi story mm. yeah i don't know if this one's super under the radar but the first one that came to mind for me was abzu uh probably because you mm. mentioned journey in there and i know there were some similar devs uh working on the two but like i think abzu is the only game i can think of that has like swimming mechanics that are fun mm. and it's pretty short you can finish it. And, it and it's beautiful the music's really good i think it took me about two or two and a half hours or so uh but it, it is a very like meditative game that i highly recommend like plugging in headphones it just i don't know especially during these times we're in right now just carving out a couple hours and just mm. playing it because it mm. will uh definitely relax you and, and there is some some uh the the story is like it's not super complex i would say but but i really like the themes of it and like where where it goes throughout the 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 two-hour runtime is is really really interesting um all right i don't know anything else anyone wants to add no okay we got one more question here uh tamor do you want to read this one Mm mm-hmm uh this one is from jay serious business okay cool um, all the talk about Animal Crossing has made me think about games that have come out either the perfect or the worst possible time. What games have been a huge hit or miss for you purely because of when they re- were released? I absolutely love the Persona series, but I have not completed Persona 5 because it came out at a time when I was severely depressed. The mood and tone of that game was too much. Even the dark red and black design felt like an aggressive attack on my mood. On the flip side of that, the Mass Effect series was released during a period when I was grappling with my sexuality and felt very alone. Being able to roleplay as Femship and have a relationship with Liara was, whilst being surrounded by an incredibly supportive and open-minded crew, except Ashley. Fuck you, Ashley. It was exactly <laughs> what I needed. P.S. Thanks again for all the content you folks are continuing to provide. I can't tell you how much it's helping to keep me sane. Michael Hyam's review of Persona 5 was so incredible that it makes me want to conquer my fears and go back to finish what i started heck yeah damn yeah i think for me mass effect was one of the big ones yeah um i i yeah i was struggling with depression back in when it came out and i remember sitting down in just in a dark room and starting that game the first one and just being fully absorbed by it and it like for a little while it just consumed my life and i remember it fondly and i think I think I would be a different person if I, if I didn't have that game at that time. Yeah, I would say, I mean, Mass Effect for me too, but I think the game that really reminds me of that is the is Red Dead Redemption. 
I remember getting it at mm. launch and that was at the end of I think my first year of university yeah it would have been and I was super unhappy at uni I hated it and I just like sank all this time into Red Dead and I like you said with Mass Effect became completely consumed by it and but that's how I started to talk to more people about games and I got in my first like multiplayer posse with people that I only sort of knew and then you know we became better friends from there and yeah Red Dead Yeehaw. I think mine was uh, the original Persona 4. Uh, that came out like when I think I was like literally the same age as the characters in that game when it came mm. out, like in high school. So just like that, like their their struggles in that game, like really hit me on another level. Um, as much as like I hate characters like Yosuke, like when the, some of the stuff that Yosuke deals with in that game like with his boss um like really resonated with me and characters like chie and like i think just sort of like the idea of like overcoming your yourself and your own fears and anxieties and like having a, a group of friends like that just really connected with me um at the time when i came out so yeah that game really means a lot to me uh, I mean, I would say Last of Us for me, the first one, because that came out at a time where I was like pretty, I was in school, but I like had no idea what I wanted to do. Like I didn't, I had very little direction. I had just dropped out of a different college uh, that I was in that I wasn't, I, I like was spending a lot of money and I wasn't happy and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, and I started playing Last of Us and I was so entranced. I ended up playing through it multiple times. I still play through it every single year. Uh, I've done grounded mode multiple times. Like that game means a lot, but I think ultimately like the biggest thing I guess I owe to that game or like the, the, the biggest thing that always reminds me of is that that was the game that I played and I was like, man, I want to like cover this game somehow, even though I'm not paid to like I like mm. that's not something I ever thought I wanted to do until I played Last of Us. And, and then my mind was going crazy with like, this is what this means. Like I, I, I just, there was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess that was the start of what became a career in this industry. Uh, just cause that really got me to think about games in a very different way. Um, so yeah, I would say that came out at the perfect time just because it gave me direction and I didn't have direction in a very strange way. Mm. Um, which is another big reason why I'm very bummed that we're gonna have to wait much longer for the last of us part two. Uh, before yeah, we move a good on, question. Though, before we move on, I think it's worth trying to go back to Persona Five, especially with Royal out there, because it. it I hope that you're in a better. We, we all hope that you're in a better place now. It sounds like you may be, but that game, for as difficult as the starting is, it is about rebelling against the things that hold you back and the people and that hold you down, and mm -hmm. it's about empowerment. So those reds and blacks that might be attacking you back then, they can very quickly become something that you will see and identify with a feeling of empowerment and a feeling of being able to take life and destiny into your own hands and and fight back against it and feel good about the power you wield and take action so i mean your mileage may vary and your sensitivities are different to ours but that is what that game is about and we gave it a 10 for a reason because we think it executes on that so well and we're all fans of that game and it has it has helped us and touched us in different ways. So we would, I, I would recommend it. I'm sure the others would agree as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't even like anime and I'd recommend it. You love anime. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> anyway, that's been episode 36 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you so much for tuning in, sticking with us during these 
these confusing times. Um, before we get into plugs and whatnot, the the, the big plug that I want to mention is the GameSpot Discord. If you want in on the GameSpot Discord, uh, DM me, send us an email at afterdarkpodcast.gamespot.com and we will get you in there. One thing that I haven't mentioned before that I should mention is that these invites expire after 24 hours. So if you're if you don't check your email super often, I'd recommend just DMing me or Jean-Luc on Twitter and we'll make sure to get you in. Mm. Uh, I mean, if not, we can just keep sending you invites until you make it in, but that is one thing to consider. When you join, uh, please make your first message, uh, hello, Gordon, so we know that you, <laughs> hello, you came. Hello, Gordon. Yeah, hello, yeah. Gordon. <laughs> hello, Gordon, or have you seen my passport? Yeah. So just come <laughs> into general and drop those in there and then we'll know that you've listened to the podcast <laughs> and you've come. <laughs> That's like when uh, YouTubers are always like, if you've made it to the end of this video, comment like, yeah. like I don't know, like money making tips or some random shit. Use discount code. Use discount code. Hello, yeah. Gordon, to get free. <laughs> yeah, and, don't try this. It's not gonna work anywhere. <laughs> and huge thank you to everybody that's already joined and is yeah. so like nice. in there it's and such like a nice Discord. Uh, just like having conversations, like you guys have been honestly like it it makes my day feel better i think mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh it can be t- a little tough engaging with the audience in in our job especially because like anybody on the internet can just click on our videos or go to our website and leave a comment and that leads to a lot you have to you have to sift to find the good stuff um and like this discord is just like this filtered like pure positivity um so huge shout out to everybody who's joined so far because it it makes me feel a lot better when i when i check in and you guys are just talking about your favorite games or letting us know that you liked a video or something we worked on that Mm. that always cheers me up yeah definitely and shout out to jean-luc because jean-luc did a lot of the heavy lifting for that and very happy it's finally there uh lucy what do you want to plug uh well i'm just about to film this episode of good news gaming so let me plug that uh they'll be going up on friday um as well please look up uh kurt did a video all about it is an incredible story about the original resident evil dualshock version soundtrack which is the story is like falling down a wikipedia hole um the guy who it's it's a famously terrible soundtrack and the guy who uh, composed it was death or was he and unbelievably that's not even the weirdest twist in that story uh please go watch it it's a fake genius i have been obsessed with that song for years and i had no idea that kurt was making a video on it so like waking up and seeing that like made my day i was like i have to watch this like oh my god <laughs> yes yes because oh that is like one of my favorite weird pieces of video game trivia so bizarre um but yeah that's a great video and uh yeah that's it and i'm on twitter at least james game tomorrow how about you you got your review up for one um yeah you can check out my final fantasy 7 remake review on gamespot.com um please go to youtube as well and check out the video review which jean luke did a magnificent job on um i watched it a bunch of times in our collaborative qa service frame um and it's just it is phenomenal it's just he hit all the beats that i would want a video review he made my words sound good which is amazing um yeah and that's pretty much it i'm at tomorrow h on twitter john luke uh i I was also gonna actually pimp that video it's it's a weird one like i 
like video reviews are always a weird one for me because I'm just taking someone else's review and I'm like, you know, making a video out of it. So it feels weird to call it like it's my video, but uh, for whatever reason, but like I felt, I mean, not to say that I don't put any effort into any reviews, but I felt very compelled to like make this as good as possible. And like there was a point where it was basically done and like I should have stopped like it was like six o'clock and I was like, no, I'm going to I need to pull out the PlayStation one over there and capture so that I can just make this intro exactly how I want it. Like I just felt like tomorrow your your review was like so good that I was like, I have to I have to do this justice. So um, I, I saw that that hop, skip and jump footage was just absolutely phenomenal i was like he's clearly putting the thing <laughs> here so I appreciate yeah so that. so i i feel very proud of that one i think that's one of my best video reviews i've done so uh, i would also recommend you go watch it uh and you can find me at uh john like on twitter cool and you can find me at jacob deck on twitter and uh, there's i there's probably more animal crossing guides that i've worked on coming <laughs> up so if you need more animal crossing guides we're here for you Anyway, Wouldn't it be amazing we'll if, you were, if you were the person feeding all the fake TikTok Oh videos? my god, like that's, that like, would be a story. Let's end this podcast now <laughs> before we go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> By day, he makes Animal Crossing tips guides. By night, he lies to the kids on TikTok. <laughs> hey, that, that's how I gotta get content so we can make videos like myth-busting. Like, yeah, see? I'm thinking ahead. <laughs> anyway, we'll see y'all next week. Bye. <laughs>